Yes, you've got to have clarity as to where you're going and how you want to get there. But if you want me to get freaking jacked about your VTO, well, you've got to care for me. Welcome to This Ain't a Trend, a podcast about vision, values, and the things that matter at work. On this episode, we talk with Justin Most about job misery, building culture, and caring for your people. Here's your host, Clay Fortunate. Hello and welcome to This Ain't a Trend, a podcast about vision, values, and the things that are important at work. I'm your host, Leif Wirtman, and today we are talking with Justin Most. Justin is an entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, certified EOS implementer, as well as a certified speaker, trainer, and coach for the John Maxwell team. Thank you so much for joining us, Justin. My pleasure, Leif. I'm excited, man. So I never knew about the John Maxwell part. Tell me about that. What's, what's that all about? So John Maxwell is, I think, according to Google, the number one leadership author on the planet. He's written over 115 books, um, speaks all over the world. He has the largest base of coaches, largest coaching organization in the world. There's probably 35,000 people that have signed up, registered, and become a certified speaker, trainer, coach for John Maxwell. He's in the, in the leadership world, if you want to call it an industry, he's one of the best there is. And I, ju- I just, I believe you become like the people you hang around. And while I don't hang with John, I devour his material. And I, I've got some of his DNA in me. And it just, you know, leadership, it oozes out of you. That's great leadership. It doesn't, you don't intentionally like, okay, I got to say this line. It just kind of <laughs> comes out of you. That's John Maxwell. So yeah. that's why I got certified with him because I love his DNA. Yeah. Well, let's get started on a little bit about you. What are you? I mean, I know I mentioned those things. How did it start and how did we get to where you're at now? So if I take you back, uh, I, I retired early from college, Leaf. So I was one of those guys that when I say retired early, uh, I just dropped out intentionally. I played a little college basketball and I love learning, but I, I just couldn't justify giving up that kind of time if I could go get a career, go be an entrepreneur and do what I love. So I kind of told myself and I told the Lord, hey, if I need a degree to get this, then I'm all for it. But if I don't need a degree, I'm just going to go right, right to get it done. Yep. So I started an office from scratch with Edward Jones uh, when I was 23. And right when they offered me limited partnership, I, I came to the conclusion I'd rather have a case of gout then do one more portfolio <laughs> review. And so I just knew I had to scratch that entrepreneurial itch. And so that put me on a completely different path than, than financial advisory. It became more leadership advisory. And um, I, I love serving people. My brother and I started a character and leadership youth mentoring program called Five Star Life back in 2004. And we, Seth had tremendous impact on students' lives. And I was kind of the business leader of that nonprofit. And we scaled it and grew it to, I think we were impacting 2,300 students a week. We went from five volunteers to 300, had this awesome adventure ropes course. We were doing after-school programming. And then I got that itch of realizing, man, what, what we're doing with students is so powerful, but so many of these kids were 
they were dysfunctional and it was because of us parents. I have a, a 19, 18 and 16 year old <laughs> and I decided to pivot after seven years of helping launch that mission to go into to taking the same concepts of what we're doing with students, but helping teams thrive because there's so many teams that are not thriving. And that's how I, that's how I connected to EOS. That's how I connected to John Maxwell's because of my passion really is to build teams. And I've got, you know, for me, I've got six words. I want to be a blessing to people and I want to create cultures where teams are thriving. I want to grow companies and I want to fund ministry. So I spend all of my days speaking, training, coaching my own company, as well as 25 other teams that I have the privilege of serving uh, different entrepreneurs across the country. Yep. And that's where I first um, heard about you was at the conference in Texas a few weeks back. And you had led a great discussion about compelling vision mm -hmm. um, or creating a compelling vision for whatever company you're in. Um, right. You talked about some of the leaders and companies that you had talked to in preparation to that topic. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Who was the companies that you talked to, which I know, but for our listeners, who did you talk to? Why did you talk to those people? And how did you think of those people? And what were some things that you took away? So uh, who did I talk to? I'll answer that question first. Um, I went to the people that I know, uh, that I love I, the brands that are they're, they're iconic brands in terms of building world-class cultures. So the first one I would say it would be Bob Chapman. He's the CEO of Barry Waymiller. And um, Bob is just like, if you look him up, if you understand his whole mission, he wrote a book called Everybody Matters, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for Your People Like Family. And he's he took an $18,000, $18 million manufacturing company producing one part, and he turned it into 110 acquisitions. It's now producing about $3 billion in revenue, and he's ranked the number three CEO in the world because of the kind of culture he's creating. People like Simon Sinek and Amy Cuddy, who are huge leadership authority. They, they, they run some of the biggest TED Talks in the world in terms of views on social media or on YouTube. And those two individuals alone, along with Harvard and McKinsey, have endorsed back, done case studies about how transformative Bob, Bob Chapman's culture is. And it's because of who the man is that he's able to, to have the impact. So I interviewed him. I interviewed the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Chick-fil-A, Steve Robinson sat underneath Truett Cathy for 35 years in that crazy growth stage. And they have built an endearing brand, an iconic brand. Um, they have built almost a zero turnover with all of their owner operators because of the way they've invested into those people. And so I just wanted to get underneath the hood. It's it's better to talk to the people directly than try to make up your own stuff and talk theory. These are the companies and leaders that actually built the mechanism to drive results. Mm -hmm. The third person I interviewed was Jason Lippert from Lippert Components. And I would say Jason is a younger protege of Bob Chapman. He is, he is on fire and he took a, this is a public company from 113% turnover 
down to 30s. They're in the 30 percentage point. And this primarily is serving the RV industry. And what Jason has done because of this everybody matters mindset is transform a culture that has historically been very toxic. And so I just go to people that are winning in that game, just like you do, and you go learn from the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> I kind of drew my own conclusions after or listening to you talk about those three companies. It seems like they were all focused around the people, around that everybody matters mindset. Um, what did they say about that? Or and, and is my conclusion correct in the fact that that's what their focus was, not necessarily on the chicken sandwich recipe? Right. So, so I created this, and I'll give you this free gift as well. But at my talk, I created this free gift, which you can watch. There's actually five interviews from five amazing leaders, and there's a bunch of um, books and and some some blogs and things that you can research if you care about building an amazing culture. Number one, culture is all about people. And it takes like 18 months, two years to really like be intentional around changing the culture. And so everybody matters. Bob Chapman said this, this line kind of haunted me. And this is what I was trying to gun for in terms of if you want a compelling vision, Yes, you need to have, you know, our term is a vision traction organizer, a VTO, yeah. those eight questions. Yes, you've got to have clarity as to where you're going and how you want to get there. But if you want me to get freaking jacked about your VTO, well, you've got to care for me. And yeah. I will run through brick walls for you. And what I loved about Bob is he's, he doesn't care what anybody thinks, but he wants to, to give you sound bites that help you see why do some companies have amazing cultures and others don't. And his one line that said, um, management is the manipulation of others for the benefit of self. Mm -hmm. Leadership is the profound stewardship of those under your care. That mindset, that thinking is the primary shift of what happened to Bob Chapman pre everybody matters. Bob Chapman was typical I, 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 management, typical accountant, numbers focused. It's about me getting results. And that shifted. He changed. Bob Chapman had a different view, which then told me everybody can have a different view. Yeah. And so, so there's a lot of businesses right now that don't like the culture they have and the root issue is because they view people as a, a tool to get the results that they want. Yep. You and I don't want to feel like a tool. Mm -hmm. We want to feel like we're part of a team and we're all running in the same direction. But when you're trying to manage me for the sake of manipulating my energy just to benefit you, I get a, I get a yuck feeling versus you investing into me, caring for me, helping me achieve some of my life's goals. And oh, by the way, we're going to do this together to achieve some really big, awesome things for our company. Yeah. Totally different vibe. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of the things that stuck out to me. And I can't remember the exact words that you used and it kind of tied along with, uh, with that, but it was something along the lines of personally helping them also. <clears throat> and I think maybe you had mentioned that, um, or maybe it was one of the other speakers, but having, uh, like we have the structure, like EOS, the business has the structure 
tie some of the employees into that. What are their personal goals? Figure that out and help them achieve those through your company. And that's going to matter as you're speaking now, that's going to matter immensely to them. I mean, it is such a game shift. If I literally know you care for me, I'm going just by, by you authentically caring for me and, and to the point where you're not just gaming it. Like I got to show this person I care for them right, so that yep. they work harder. Yeah. That's not the DNA. It's yeah. it, if I'm your boss, Leaf, it's like, Leaf, how you doing, man? How can I help you achieve what you want to do in life? Yep. Like I really care about that. Now I have, you have to do work leaf, yeah. but how can I help you in life? Yep. Bob Chapman, Jason Lippert, uh, uh, Kathy Wonderly is a local Chick-fil-A owner operator. Like that's her heart. That's her DNA. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have four commitments that I believe if you really want to build a culture, you have to do. And number one is not help me achieve my goals. Number one is help reduce Patrick Lencioni calls it job misery. Yeah. There's a stat out there that says like 75 to 85% of every employee in the country leaves work feeling unvalued and uncared for. And that has a adverse effect on their health, their family relationships, their self-worth, like their mindset. All of that is being affected by the, the culture you're creating and the way you engage your people. And so these four commitments, I think you have to make. It's you have to commit to end job misery. Pat Lencioni wrote a book called The Truth About Employee Engagement. He said, the truth is you have to end job misery if you want to build a more thriving culture. And he defines job misery as these three things create job misery. Anonymity. No one knows me. Irrelevance. No one cares what I do. No, there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it, it's irrelevant. There's a massive apathy that happens when there's irrelevance and then immeasurement. I don't know even how to win my own job, like working every day. It's immeasurement. I don't even know if I'm winning or losing those mm-hmm. three things contribute to job misery. So before I can focus on you as an individual, helping you achieve your goals, I just need to know that you are locked and loaded knowing at my company leaf, I care for you. I know you, that's, that's removing anonymity. I know you, we do life together. You're relevant. What you're doing for my company is so relevant. You're helping us win. And I spend time with you helping you see that. And then here's a couple metrics leaf that would tell you on your own that you're winning. You don't even need me because I'm giving you some tools to measure your own performance. Daniel Pink wrote that book drive. Yep. And in that book, he talked about the three things that we intrinsically need to stay driven, like be passionate about what we're doing. He talked about purpose. What's our purpose? Mastery, right? Purpose and mastery and then autonomy. I need to be able to do this on my own. I don't need a micromanager. And so ending job misery is number one. And then number two, that's the second layer. You you can't go help someone achieve their personal goals if you're not helping them win at work and building rapport there. Mm -hmm. But once you do that layer one, then it's committing to helping people get what they want out of their life and out of their business, out of their job. So you talk with them, you engage them. There's, if you're a boss and you're holding them accountable, like an EOS to rocks and scorecard metrics, 
use those same tools. I just spent four hours with a, one of my team members this week, last week, and we set a one-year plan. We set a three-year picture. We set his life purpose statement. We, we set a, a, a set of rocks for this quarter, and we set a scorecard for the disciplines that he needs to apply on a daily, weekly basis so that his life at home is freaking crushing it. Mm -hmm. It's all the same tools. It's just for his life. Yeah. Now, it took four hours of my time, but he's one of the most important team members to that, that company that I'm investing into. And I want it. I don't, I want my company to succeed, but I do not want my company to succeed while he sits and dies on the vine because he's giving everything he's got to this company. Like how horrible of a leader would I be if, yeah. if I allowed him just to burn out? Yep. I use him, I chew him up and I spit him out. Like that's the mindset that says, I'm going to manipulate the crap out of you. Get everything that I want. Oh, you're not performing. So get the hell out of my yeah. way. Yep. Well, and we've seen it here when that, um, when those things have started to clear up, when we have seen that employees are maybe becoming, um, they're coming out of debt or they're buying their house or they're, once they start getting their personal stuff, it's a different person at work as well. Like we've seen some amazing transformations, even at our company, when those things have started to fall into place outside of work. Yeah. And they come into work with it's, it's a whole different mindset, a whole different set of creativity. Um, there's just so much more juice that comes from it. So not only are you chewing them up, sitting them out, when you do this, it's just making them a better, you know, individual for the company. They're having a lot more fun and it's, which in turn makes it a lot more fun for the leader. When you see they're having fun, it's just a big old cycle. So yeah, and, and it's awesome. because of what you're doing, Leaf. It's you're infusing and helping them understand you absolutely care and you believe in them as a person and you're celebrating their personal victories. To, to Like, that's just authentically you. And then it's going to be, oh, by the way, I'm going to crush it at work too because I know you care for me. Yeah. Yep. Have you ever, I'm sure you have, come across a company maybe where maybe the leader or the owner doesn't naturally have that skill set to connect with those employees in that certain way. Do you re recommend them or have you ran into that? I should ask. Um, yeah, always. I mean, there, there are people, but I would say this, you don't have to have a degree to care for somebody. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to read a book to care for somebody. You, you, I mean, we all have kids and we care for our kids. You do special things for your kids. It, it, there's nothing, that's what I love so much about Bob Chapman. There's nothing rocket science about, I'm just going to choose to care. Yeah, yeah. That's really what it is. It's just a mindset switch. It is. Yeah. And now once you make the mindset switch, there's all kinds of tools you can use to like, intentionally drive that mindset. Yeah. Just like an Olympic athlete. Like I can go and work out today, but uh, you name any Olympic athlete, their workout might look different than mine. <laughs> right. Because, because I don't have the mindset that I'm playing for a gold medal. Yeah. But, but that's, that's what, that's why I interviewed the, the few people that I did because they have, they have a mindset and they are honing that craft at a level that most teams are not doing and they're getting results that most teams don't get. Yeah. Well, I think everyone 
<clears throat> probably everyone listening to this has, I hope, heard about Chick-fil-A. Um, yeah. They are a massive company making a lot of noise. And they're a fast food chain. Like they're not anything special, but yet they can create this. Why can't anyone else? Right. And that's where like, I've heard the excuses before. Um, where maybe they're a certain industry. Well, yeah. we can't just, we just can't find the helper. We can't keep employees. Right. And I have came to the realization, like a lot of people view us as a fence and debt company. How are you going to sustain a career here? All that. And one thing that we've learned over the years is it doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you're, you know, shoveling horse manure at a stall, but the company's set up that way, like it's going to be, it's going to be fine. You can, and job misery, no matter what company you're in. I, I have a young man, he's 24 years old. He spent 10 years doing construction work. He was working with his dad in, in, in the homes they were building. He drove four hours from home to join our team um, because he's so excited about what we're doing. And it, it's just a restoration company. We, we literally suck poop out of basements because that's <laughs> when, when the sewer backs up. We get called when there's mold, when there's a storm, like that's what we do. We, like when there's a flood, it's not sexy work. People don't wake up one day and say, man, I just hope I can use that vacuum in the basement. They do it. He moved his whole family here because he, he grabbed a hold of the vision, but he knew because of my relationship with him that, man, I want to invest into him and get him skilled so he can take the same opportunity and he can go back home two years from now and do better for his family. Like that's, yeah. he said yes, because of how we care for him. He didn't say yes, because, because he's making that much more per hour. I mean, that's right. just not the case. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing we realized is as we have employees now that have pretty long tenures with our company um, and myself also younger, growing older, but quickly realizing that when you're younger, money is, and it seems like it's the most important thing. But at the end of the day, I think for most people, they quickly realize that the money is a part of it. It's needed. You need that. But the fulfillment, the actual, the job misery part that you're talking about, um, that's what's really important. And that's where it, it doesn't matter what team you're on or what industry you're in, I should say. If you have that team, if you have that sense of fulfillment, and if you're doing those things that actually make you happy and you're getting somewhere personal. Um, that's what I think a lot of people find happiness in. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing is, is intrinsically, we want to know that we're winning and I don't mean winning competitively. I mean that we're doing well in life. And so I think it's the job of every leader. So I had the, the four commitments, right? Commitment one was end job misery. Commitment two is help people get what they want, help them get where they want to go in life. Number three though, is you've got to commit uh, to strengthening those six key components in your business. If you're familiar with EOS, yep. if you're not familiar with EOS, it's just saying you got to commit to strengthening your business operational system. You got to strengthen the, the, the business so it creates safety for your people. You got to strengthen the business so that it takes care of their fears that this business is not winning. Like if you, if you're, if you're, employees see that you're losing tons of con uh, contracts and there's mor morale is down and good people are quitting. That doesn't feel safe if I'm working underneath you. So you got to commit to strengthening your business model. 
And then the fourth thing you got to commit is you and I both know we've seen people that have these visions, a vision statement on a wall or a mission statement on a wall in the boardroom or something. And your team members look at that and they kind of have a side joke like, yeah, that's not even who we are. It just looks impressive for clients, but <laughs> yeah. the statement doesn't even align with who we are. I think the fourth commitment any leader has to make is you better apply massive, ridiculous action because actions speak louder than words. So before you even think of putting it into words in your boardroom, there better be massive action coming from blood, sweat, tears, and my cash, if I'm the owner, to demonstrate that this mission is alive and well, starting at the top, yep. and it goes all the way to the bottom. But I have to apply massive action. That's why for me, my niche, my passion statement, my core focus, bless people, grow companies, and fund ministry I've had this one little side company for two years. I haven't taken a dime out of it. It's profitable because I am applying massive action to bring that core focus statement to life. Yeah. And my whole team 100% believes me. I even tried to pay a bonus to my key executives and they turned me down because they said, Justin, we're not there yet, dude. You got to wait. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever you guys say. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Um, so if you, um, so this other company that you're talking about, you, you, you said you have a respiration company. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember at the, at that talk, you said it's a, a newer venture, yeah. um, that you're probably, you don't have your goals set quite yet. Um, where do you hope to get that company or uh. like, did you just say I don't have my goals set yet? Well, you have your goals set yet. You I've got a VTO 100% filled out. That team is dialed in on it. We want to replicate that model. Like, okay, cool. I, I think the restoration industry, there's all kinds of room. The model has been proven. You can replicate it, but I, I want to create an owner operator model. And we're building out that first location we're bringing in some rock star team members and, and we have, you know, a 10 year, I've got a lifetime target of how much money I want to be able to give away. And so it's, it's all focused right now on just making the one model strong and getting ready to replicate, but I'm filling the team with people that can replicate it. Yeah. Interesting. So <clears throat> have you happened to read the book E-Myth by chance? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, uh, we also have on our um, plans to um, do the exact same thing, basically get our company scalable, yep. um, systemize it, processes, and then yep. hope to add more locations in the near future. Um, how, when do you anticipate you'll maybe add a second location or is that clear yet? Um, so, so when you decide to replicate the model, I've done a lot of research on this and there's so many different directions and we don't know enough about what's the best way. I have an opinion. I think it's the owner operator model that Chick-fil-A created. I love that model. Yeah. Franchise is difficult and it, it has some pros and cons to it. I would rather go the long-term route because one of my goals is I don't want to just replicate it. I want to be able to maximize the amount that we can give with that machine. Mm -hmm. And so 
the more ownership that I can retain, the better odds are, are, are that we're going to be able to replicate it in, in every location is going to be able to be paying into this long-term giving goal that we have. So everybody has to figure out, you, you've got successful models on all fronts. You've got the franchise model with McDonald's. You've got the owner-operator model with Chick-fil-A. You've got the um, corporate store model with Starbucks. Like they all can work. You just got to find the model that works right for you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to test with a couple corporate stores and pro get proof of concept. I don't want to, I have no proof of concept if I don't have at least three to five locations that it works. Right. Yeah. So we're going to get to the point where I have maybe one or two owner operator models. I'll have a couple corporate stores and we'll be able to evaluate the numbers and the financials once we have all that. But you know, that's probably my, my store that I'm going to replicate is probably 12 months to 24 months away. So do your, I assume your employees are full aware of this. A hundred percent. Every and single quarter, we kind of tell them where we're headed. What do you think? I mean, are they, I assume they're excited about it. Yes. What do you think they're most excited about? Why do they care if you're growing, scaling? Well, they're excited for two reasons. We are, um, there's a, Jack Stack wrote a book called The Great Game of Business. And I, I want to create some type of a, a bonus system or a gain share program that educates them at every level of our business. We're going to be an open book management type of a company. So I'm a very transparent guy. I can't hide things from anybody. It just, it comes out of my mouth at some point. And so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm very transparent and I am trying to attract people that want to grow as many entrepreneurs and someday legit entrepreneurs where they can run their own facility. And so I want all of our team members to have enough financial education to where they can see how what they're doing is directly tied to achieving profitability for this company. And so to do that, we're going to create this gain sharing, profit sharing type of program self-funded so they can take control of the business. Like I don't do any work in this company. I've hired the leaders. They're running the company. We started it from scratch, but I, I, number one, I don't know one thing about restoration work. Like I'm the last guy you want to put a hammer in. Like that's just not what work that I do. So I literally have delegated and elevated and cast vision for some amazing folks that are jacked about building this thing, but it's, uh, listen, I'll tell you in two years if it's successful. <laughs> it's, it's two years old. We're cash flowing. I think this year we may cross two million in revenue, but it's it, that is a passion project that I'm fully vested into. But most of my time is spent doing EOS as a certified implementer. Yeah, and that the reason I asked the question about the growth is we. Um, it's clear to our employees that that's our plan. I mean, everyone at our company knows exactly where we hope to go, what our vision yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and what's cool is it's um, for a lot of employees, it's like they know that, yes, we are a fence and debt company, but they can, if we plan to expand, if we plan to grow, and if we don't plan to sit idle, then there's always room for them to move up personally. Um, well, or professionally. So. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's ultimately why we chose that is um, we had a problem with turnover uh, when we right. were, you know, hovering around uh, the two to 4 million range and just not really growing and just staying the same. Right. 
right. employees, the all-stars, they work their way in, they work their way up. And then the only way to further go up is to go out. Right. They have to leave the company and go do something else. And so right. that's you- when we decided, you know what, we've got to keep this in house and keep growing the company so that these all-stars have that opportunity to, you know, shine. And if you're doing everything that you're saying, you're building such a committed, loyal culture, culture is what eats strategy for lunch. So no strategy without that firm belief that these, you, that these people know that you love them, you care for them, you're invested into them. When you have that, you don't need all of the systems and all of the stuff. You need it, but you don't need like the ISO 9000 just every little thing you've got to hover over everybody yeah because of trust because of the culture you've trained them well you can let go of the vine and they still perform and they're freaking passionate about it because they see the vision just like you see the vision mm-hmm. 100% so you mentioned it a little bit ago so you spend most of your time with uh, doing you know helping businesses do you have any cool stories with businesses that, you know, you've came in and with some of these simple changes? Um, well, I shouldn't necessarily say simple changes, but kind of simple theory um, with some of the simple concept. Um, has that, do you have any cool stories around that? I had a team, uh, an amazing group of people and the visionary came in. She had a heart of gold. The culture was totally cool as a an awesome vibe in the culture but they were not healthy financially in part because they just allowed themselves to not focus on the dollars they cared so much about the culture and i i saw them make a shift and they didn't what i loved about what they did is they didn't lose the culture they just increased the accountability mm-hmm. and they they did the education and and she was able to write a check this past year to her leaders, to the people that really made this change happen. And the whole company had like a bonus program, but it was the first time that they were able to write a meaningful check because of the transition of them understanding the nuts and bolts of the whole business. Great culture, but again, great culture without a very safe business where you can I can see how to make it. So they, they made that shift and it was so cool just to listen to her share. She goes, Justin, I've, none of my team members have, have had bonus checks this size. She goes, this yeah. has been amazing transformation of us caring about our business more so that we can care for our people more. Mm-hmm. I mean, that and, kind of stuff is so cool. Yeah. And with that, it's, uh, I mean, bonus checks aside, I bet you that those employees, they had that great culture beforehand. But with increased accountability, now they can actually see this progress, their job also, not only did they get the bonus check, but I bet it got a lot more fulfilling um, and they're probably enjoying it a lot more as well. Yeah. In fact, I had two owners and, and they, they were kind of at odds. They weren't connecting as well. And we did the first session and they both called me after that session saying, I don't think I want to work with my partner. And then the other guy called me, I don't think I want to work with my partner. (laughs) And I looked at, I said, gentlemen, I said, you need to make a decision because if you're saying this on day week one of implementing EOS, I said, just imagine what life is going to feel and look like five years from now, if you don't make a decision. So they both split, they split the company and they're relatives. So they still do life together, 
and they both re-implemented EOS in their respective companies. Yep. They've both come back to me, amazing cultures, teams are thriving. They're having more fun than they ever thought they would. And they said, Justin, that first focus day when you called us out and, you, and we really realized that we were not working well together, would have never, we, we would have never made that decision, but it was the best decision. And we're both happier now than we've ever been in our businesses before. And our teams are happier too. Like I, I'm, I'm their implementer working with both companies, two different cultures, yeah, yeah. both crushing it because they, they finally were able to be them all their authentic selves building what they want to build. Yeah. That's cool. Those stories have to be pretty, pretty fulfilling for yourself. Um, well, time has already flown by here. I don't want to take too much of your time up. Um, any last little uh, feedback or advice for any so, of these? Yeah. Listeners? So number one, I want to make sure you guys have this gift. So if you go to justinsfreegift.com, justinsfreegift.com, and if you want to take Take me serious. Take this conversation seriously. You can hear straight from Bob Chapman, straight from Jason Lippert, straight from Steve Robinson of Chick-fil-A and several other leaders, but, but everything great is uphill. Mm -hmm. So culture is an uphill game. Yeah. Most people want to do what's easy. Culture's never easy. It's always intentional and it's always uphill, but it's so freaking worth it. And so if yeah. you want check that stuff out, dive in and just continue to spend time listening to Leaf and whoever's talking this culture game because it is what the differentiator is to building an amazing company. Okay, and I'm going to leave you with a question that I've heard before and I really like it. Favorite book or most impactful book or person maybe? Oh, geez. Favorite book, I mean... You're talking to an EOS implementer who has studied, obviously, Gino Wickman. I mean, he's a mentor. I, I, I don't spend a ton of time with him, but I've, I've studied his books to where they just come out of me. But if I, if I put Gino aside, I would say when you read empirical evidence authors like Jim Collins. So for me, it's great by choice. Yeah, great cool. by choice and B 2.0 beyond entrepreneurship 2.0 those two books it's the 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 culmination of really what it means to have a great culture and blended with great systems you can achieve just about anything you freaking want if you're willing to focus on culture and focus on systems yeah those are the two things that it's it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 50. You pick the number, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but culture and then systems, you master those two things and you will have, because you're helping everyone else succeed, you will have everything you want in life. Yeah. No, I've read a lot of Jim Collins. I can agree to those. That's a hard question. Um, as far as what book is the best book, because they're all equal in there or they all have, you know, value. Awesome, exactly. Awesome value. Um, and so can people, if people want to reach you, can they reach you at that same site or is there a different place you want them to reach you? No, if they go to justinsfreegift.com, they can get all those resources. And then they're, if they want to get on my email, I send out a weekly email, like a weekly video. If they want to get on that list, they can just sign up for it, but they, that link will connect them to my website and they can, you know, however they want to reach out. Perfect. 
Okay. Well, sounds good. Thank you so much for coming on and we'll have to link up in two years and see how that restoration company's going. Hopefully sooner. Yeah, baby. Um, sounds good. Looking forward to continue following you on along on LinkedIn and other platforms. Thank you for joining. Lee, thanks. All right. Have a good one. See ya. This Ain't a Trend is a Cascade Fence and Deck podcast. Show notes are on our website, cascadefenceanddeck.com. This show is produced by yours truly, Isaac Holmgren, with music courtesy of Andrew Wong. Check him out on YouTube. He's awesome. Until next time, thanks for listening.